what is happening? Welcome to another episode of The Essential Eleven. As always, brought to you by Acton Academy. Acton Academy Placer Apogee Strong, as well as our favorite Praxis. Don't forget to check the link in the bio for Praxis and for our relationship with Praxis. $1,000 off for our listeners, as well as a free book. So check out that link. Uh, today's call was rad. It was uh, an Apogee call. And uh, you'll hear some of the great questions from some of our young leaders that you have undoubtedly heard on this. But we got to have a man by the name of Nick Kumalatsos. I've been following Nick for a little bit of time now, and I'm just going to read his bio straight from his site here. It talks about him being born in Hollywood, Florida, to a Greek father and a gypsy mother. So grew up traveling the U.S., uh, settled down for high school in Panama City, Florida, and he really gets into his story with the young men of getting in trouble, um, going down the wrong path, and having to really pull himself up from the bootstraps, joining the Marine Corps. Um, he ended up spending 12 years in the Marines, deploying around the globe, supporting the war on terror. He was uh, force recon. He was a Marine Raider. Uh, just an all-around just bad a dude and uh, now though as an entrepreneur he's a philanthropist he's a producer he's a father of three he's a phenomenal husband and just a rad dude he pours into our young guys from Avogee so welcome Mr. Nick Kumalatos my friend thank you for joining us sir absolutely you got me good we got you good man and you can hear and see and all that good stuff everything's looking good yeah yeah awesome man you've got uh we got kind of the similar beard except yours looks a whole lot younger than mine man you look great i'm not that uh, much older than you don't look too closely okay all right well i mean this is pretty friggin' obvious right here this is what it is man thank you for taking this hour to uh to join us man it's a pleasure it's an honor um and and definitely don't take an hour of your time lightly man you you taking the time to pour into these young studs uh, it's an honor, man. I'm, I was just listening to him talk a little bit before, before we got, before you got on. It was, it was fun. Yeah. Some good, some good dudes here, man. So just to make sure I give you the, the context and the overview of, of everything, yeah. just to make sure if you got any questions. So, you know, I, I come out of education, I build schools, I build the best schools in, in the world and, and not normal schools, people taking control of their own lives and starting their own businesses and, um, you know, really being good humans and character matters and, uh, you know, being able to have a conversation matters and not getting butthurt about everything matters. And, um, yeah. you know, we want, we want people that are going to go out and, and actually lead. Right. And so, um, that's kind of the background. So when I went to Timmy and it was just like, Hey man, you know, this is, this is great. What we're doing with the schools, but I want to also grab good men and have good men pour into our young men. And, uh, so we sat down and, and hashed out, you know, kind of what we wanted to do to serve the young men. And so now we have, we have young guys from quite literally all over the world that are that are on this call and some that can't make it, but they'll see the replay and, and it gets sent out. So um, we just bring good guys in to uh, to speak to these young men, man, and pour in and try to develop our leaders because God knows we, we need them, especially in this country, man. We are hurting for it. I feel like it's more important now than it probably ever has been. Dude, it is. It is. Yeah. I mean, we are in these weird times, man. So... Yeah. Um, you know, that's what this is all about, man. So if these guys are in for 12 months, they jump in every month, they got a new project, they got a new challenge, they've got new workouts, they've got new books that they're driving through. And then every Friday we jump on calls with great guys like you or, or Ian Smith and Brian Callen, of course, Timmy, Ray Care, Bedros, Ryan Mickler, all these good, you know, we have a whole lot of mutual friends between us. And, of course. Um, yeah. you know, we jump on and just pour into these guys, man. And, and they'll, you know, so we'll kind of chat about your story a little bit and then we'll open it up and these guys will have some questions and then, uh, 
at the end of our time, I take them through some Socratic conversations and, and uh, we just talk life, man, and, and just help move these what's guys our, forward. What's our age group? So we have got, believe it or not, we've got some young studs as young as like 12. Um, and we go up to mid-20s. Excellent. So, I mean, it is a wide range, um, but, you know, they've got, you know, what we consider kind of our rules of engagement. So these guys understand how to lead and how to have conversations as leaders. So um, 12, you know, one of the first books they read is Do Hard Things. 12 means nothing. doesn't matter. 12, 13, you used to be able to lead guys into war. Hey, at, High at, 12, expectations. at 12, 13 years old, I'd already, you know, gotten out of jail and cleaned my life up. You're dang <laughs> so. right. That's exactly right. You're going to have a whole lot of life experience at that point, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. So that's kind of the background there. So, but we love to start with just kind of diving into your story, man. I know, you know, I sent them some things Wednesday so they can dive into you. I know, okay. you know, a decent amount about you, but I'd love to have you just kind of kick it off and we can wrap a little bit before we open up to them. Yeah. So I am, I guess the, probably the most intriguing thing is that I served in the Marine Corps, mm -hmm. uh, and I was reconnaissance, a force reconnaissance Marine. Uh, and then when we established Marine Special Operations Command, I moved over from being a force recon Marine to a Marine Raider. Uh, a Marine Raider is, is essentially the same is, is, is the Marine Corps branch of SOCOM, just like the Green Berets or the Navy SEALs or anything like that. I think at this point, it's pretty well known. It didn't used to be, yeah. Um, but we're we're getting there now. So I spent my time as you know, as in a, a young man, uh, doing that for about twelve years. And I go into Afghanistan and Iraq and Southeast Asia and Turkey and just kind of going all over the globe. Uh, mainly during my time was the main push was fighting terrorism, mm. um, which is something I'm still very passionate mm -hmm. about. Uh, and that's just, you know, the, to me, it's the whole good versus evil. For sure. Was at, that what drew, was that what drew you to it? Like coming out as a young man and deciding to go in the Marines? Was so like actually, the believe, I actually joined pre 9-11. Okay. Um, so at that time, if you remember, the Marine Corps was fighting dragons with swords. Yeah, in their commercials. Right, yeah, and, yeah, right, right. That's so, right. Yeah, commercials so, are a little different now too, man. Yeah, yeah. And we could talk about that yeah. if you want. But yeah, so in my day, commercials were... They were, yeah. um, they were amazing. Yep. It was like the most, the top of the, the manly men doing, yes, sir. you know, you know, battling down evil. Yes, sir. And, uh, and so that was something that I wanted to see. And, and at that time, the Marine Corps looked the hardest yeah. and where I was at in my life, which we'll, we'll kind of go backwards. Um, I wanted a challenge. I wanted to be, I wanted to do the hardest thing, mm -hmm. whatever the hardest thing was, I wanted to put myself out there and accomplish the hardest thing possible. Um, so, so that's, that, that's what I did up yep. until uh, about nine years ago and before I got into entrepreneurship and starting, you know, multiple businesses. But the more, to me, the more interesting part and probably the more relevant part is my childhood. By the time I was 12 years old, I was a two-time convicted felon. Wow. So two-time talk about that like what what was that what did that i mean as as much as you're comfortable like it's all it's yeah. all out there so yep. uh and this probably this audience is probably the most important audience to talk about this um so you know and early on as so pretty much at, right around puberty i didn't grow up with a dad it was a single mom um right around puberty i was you know now look now that i'm a, a man with three you know three kids of my own it makes and you know my time in the military, it makes a lot more sense of why things happened the way that they did. Mm -hmm. But what I was looking for was a tribe. 
something to belong to, a purpose. And uh, I wasn't in sports, um, really couldn't get into sports because of our, you know, our life situation, but I was looking to be a part of something bigger than myself. So in, in, in absence of direction, in absence of purpose, I found what we called a game. Yep. And this was in the early 90s. And where were you right. in the country? I was in Florida. In Florida, okay. Right. Yeah. Actually, at this point, I was in Panama City Beach, Florida. Okay. So okay. If you probably know, in the 90s, Panama City Beach, Florida was probably not the greatest place to have no doubt. Uh, teenage, you know, no teenage doubt. boys of a single mom being raised. Um, so with that said, um, you know, I, I searched out this tribe and they, you know, and they, and they welcomed me with open arms, of mm -hmm. course. And through that became drugs breaking, you know, breaking the law. And then we actually got into essentially low level organized crime, Yep. which landed me right in juvenile detention. Yep eventually. Yeah. Um, and then I was on, and then once you're in this system, this is where what people don't realize, and this is what I am trying, you know, working on now is getting young men to realize that, especially the ones that because a lot of guys hit me up and say, like, I want to join the military. Well, then we have to talk about everything you have going on right now, yeah. because everything you do from the time you're 10 years old and on even younger yep. can have an effect on your adult life. And, um, Hmm. So, uh, you know, g got into the gang thing, got, got into, got into some trouble, um, ended up in this snowball effect where you can't, you, it's almost the system doesn't allow you to get better. So what happened was I was on probation from burglar conveyance. What we would do is this gang would steal stuff out of hardworking Americans cars our houses. And then we had, which is just, you know, horrible. We had an adult that ran pawn shops and we would, we would give these, this items mm -hmm. to pawn shops through the back door. They would give us a cut of money and then we would go on and, and we would continue to cycle. Yep. Yep. Um, and what this is, this is a grown man that is yeah. allowing yeah. and what's the word? Um, I mean, not just allowing, he's, but he's facilitating, man. He's facilitating this yeah. cycle of, yeah. of behavior. Yeah, right. Totally. And, um, which, you know, is another lesson that not everybody out there is good. Yeah. Um, yeah. not everybody out there is your friend, yeah. even if they seem to be your friend. Um, so finally I got busted and I was on, you know, got through that. And then I was on probation, got kicked out of my school my mom had to take me two districts over to get me into a middle school. Now wow. we're talking middle school. I'm talking like seventh grade. Yeah. Dang. Seventh grade, seventh grade. Um, now in this, now I'm in school. The wrestling coach was like, Hey, I want to put him on the wrestling team. The school was like, sure. He can go to practices. He can be on the wrestling team. He can't actually wrestle in a match because his grades aren't good enough. So the one thing the one good thing that I, that was probably good in my life, I couldn't even do because the system wouldn't allow me to go because my grades weren't good. Yep. And, and the way my brain worked, my grades probably weren't going to be good in that kind of school and yeah. that kind of system. Right. Right. 
And uh, so then, you know, I'm trying to get, I'm sort of trying to get my life together. I'm trying to stay out of trouble, still hanging out with some bad kids. Kid brings a knife to school. He's about to get busted. So I take it and I hold it for him. The butterfly knife. Mm -hmm. Guess who's on probation? Mm -hmm. Yep. Now I have a weapon on school property. Felony number two. Number two. Send you back. Yep. That was it. Done. Now I'm on, now I'm on probation. Get put handcuffs on by the SRO. And then we're going through this whole process again. And um, that really hurt me in life. Now I got through that. Um, I got taken out of that school too. And I got put into a uh, alternative school. Yeah. You guys won't, you guys won't remember, probably don't remember this, but there was a, uh, a movie called gangster's paradise with, uh, man, Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh dude, I remember it well, man. Michelle Pfeiffer, Coolio's like, ode to you know, yeah, man, that was, that was the song for forever. Yeah. So that is, uh, so there's schools that, that have basically look like prisons. That's right. Um, and they have, you know, gates and barbed wire around them. They look like prisons. You walk through metal detectors. Unfortunately, now that's probably looks what most regular schools look like. Yeah, that's story. But back then it was an alternative school. And for me to go to the ninth grade, for me to go to the ninth grade, I had to go to this alternative school and I could not have one infraction. I could not get in a fight. Yep. I had to have my grades at a certain level. I couldn't, there, there was, you know, and then when you're in an alternative school, there all is heightened man all the opportunities are there and and people know that oh yeah so some people are there regard they can't get out they're yeah. there until they graduate or they yep. go back to jail yep or so for me somebody has the opportunity within six months to get out of the school like people yeah. are ready to push your buttons for sure for so eating sure. lunch you know i'm in the corner trying to mind my own business um luckily for me and and keeping my head down and trying to just very hard to be, you know, probably like Tim, you know, nonviolent posture, yeah, yeah, hands yeah, up. Yeah. You yeah. know, I don't want any trouble. Yep. You're right. I suck. Yeah, you know? totally. Whatever you say. <laughs> yeah. Because I had a person in my life who was starting to show me the bigger picture of life. So that's what, so who, yeah, I mean, why, why are so, you not sucked into this system going, F it, man, I'm right. already done. Like, let's just go. Why are you, why are you mentally going, okay, I got to go the other way. So, the second time I got arrested, um, instead of going to juvie, juvie was full, so they couldn't in process me. Mm. So they took me to county. So now I'm 12 years old, yep. and I show up with a sheriff to the county jail where the grown men are, yep. the grown criminals are, yep. as a 12 year old boy to get in processed. And I immediately am looking around going, Oh, yeah. juvie was all art. Yeah. It was my age. Yep. It's just kids. It was my hood. It's my, yeah. my background. My, you know, I can handle that. That's the world that I live in. But now, now I'm with. Yeah. One of these things is, one of these things is not like the other ones, right? One now. of these things <laughs> is not like sure. the other. Yeah. And it immediately was like realized that was an awakening for me. It's like, this is not what I want. Yeah. This is not what I want for my life. And so I got put on. I think they extended my probation. My mom like pleaded with the court. So my probation got longer and I ended up uh, being, she was going to a church and she somehow sold, bless my mom, man. She 
sold or somehow sold them on me doing uh, my community service at this youth church. Yeah. And the pastor there at the time was just this very, he had a bunch of kids. He was um, Jack McDonald, which an amazing human being, amazing man. And uh, not nice to me by any means. Yeah. (laughs) But spoke to me like a man. Yep. And told me the truth. Which is what you needed. It's what I needed. And he basically, and I had chore, you know, basically had work to do. Mm-hmm. So, so every time after school, I would go there for hours and on the weekends. And that's, that's where I spent all my time. Yeah. That's what got me to go. Like, I need to stay out. I need to, this yeah. if, cause he got me to see if I, what I want for my life, if this is what you want for your life, this is where you're heading. Yep. Which is basically prison or dead. Yep. That's essentially what I was heading down. He gave you a different roadmap. He gave you a different tribe. Yeah. He gave you a different purpose. Right? And of course, all the kids there were like, "What? Don't do that. Don't, <laughs> we can have fun. Sure, yeah. A different tribe. Yeah, you know, right. we can go to the beach and enjoy things. We don't right. have to like break people's stuff." And and um, so, anyway, so I go through that. I go through that system, and the light bulbs start to kind of come on. Yeah. And I start to see. I start. I start to see like the reality of like what life is about. Yeah. I'm talking to a 12 year old man. Yep. You know? Yep. So I'm, and as I'm starting to see this, everything starts to become more and more clear. And, and so by the time I'm 13, I'm, you know, not doing drugs, not drinking, different dude, not, I'm a completely different human being. Yep. Yep. That's, that's freaking awesome. So here's, so understanding that, going forward because you're talking about you were talking earlier about the system and how the system a lot of times whether that's schools whether that's the um you know the alternative school programs whether that's jail it's all those kind of things the system a lot of times it's very easy to get caught in that and so we have snowball um, definitely snowballs right and so i've had a lot of conversations with a lot of the the gentlemen in my life that i would consider some of the best men that i know uh, many of us have a very similar story of some childhoods that are that are rough and doing some of the dumber things pretty early on. Haven't you know? I first time I had a gun to my head was 11 years old, and and uh, yeah. you know some of my best friends, the the most squared up Oakland police officer I know that was number one in his class, and he's the most integrous guy that I know. I mean, he was drug dealing in prison, and, and you know, I mean, so many of us have these kind of stories. Is it uh, you know a matter of like not getting caught sometimes or is it just a matter of just being able to escape the system and and I don't know what it is but do you think some of those hardships are the what propels us to be even better men later on because I look at you now and I know what a good guy you are and I know what a good dad you are Um, and for me that's a metric of a man right there too I know what a good father you are you know and that's a big deal I think it's it comes down to personal responsibility and choice yeah Mm mm-hmm I think at some point a man has to make a choice of who he wants to be in the direction he wants to take a life, mm-hmm. you know? And, and at the end of the day, at the end of the day, these guys, everyone will, will reach a point in their life where like, there's a why yeah. and I get to choose. Yep. And I just like, I tell young men that are joining the military. They're like, well, I want to go recon. I want to do a recon contract. I'm like, Hey man, I am all for that. Yeah. That's the kind of road that I like to travel. Like yeah. I'm all in all the time. But this is the caveat. If you fail, 
don't blame me for telling you to go there That's right. and to do it straight in. If you fail, it's on you for better or worse. It's not your parents' fault. It's not the recruiter's fault. It's not the instructor's fault. That's right. You have to take ownership of that failure. Yep. So 100%, you're going to get to a place in your, in, in your life where you have to make a decision. And if whatever one you go, that's your decision. That's right. Now, yeah. you can ask people's opinion, but at the end of the day, yeah. it's your it's choice. You're no, you're not a victim. And even if, even if somebody did something bad to you, you're still not a victim because you're in charge of your own, your own life. That's right. And something I said today, and you own this, Mm -hmm. the space between your ears is yours. That's exactly right. Don't let, don't let anybody rent space there. That's exactly right. And that's the issue right there is we let too many people. And that's not just a young man issue. That's a grown man issue. Too many. That's a, that's a human that's being a problem. human being problem, man. We yeah. rent out that space and we rent out to every freaking buddy else. And if you can learn that at 12 years old, hell yes. Let me tell you, you are decades yep. ahead of your, of everyone else. That's exactly right. The world is freaking yours at that point. Yep. Yeah, man. So yep. good. So you go for it. You have this amazing career in the military. And I do want to unpack a little before I open up to these guys. Like I want to unpack a little bit afterwards because you've done some really cool things afterwards too. You still have, you know, you got done, you had 12 years in the military, but you came out and you've got another purpose you're building another tribe right you're building these businesses what what were kind of some of the catalysts for some of the directions and i'd love to hear you tell them about some of the things that you're doing right now yeah so i I, uh you know there's there should be no secret uh, and there should be no secret that the military and what they and what we do in the military is not um it's not a video game right it's it's not all fun yep it is, it looks cool in the movies. It looks cool on TV. It looks cool in the video games in real life. It's very dark. It's very sad. It's very, very hard. It's some of the hardest things that I've ever experienced in my entire life. Mm-hmm. So when leaving that, especially during my time from 2000, to 2012, when it was, we were in the heat of combat For with sure. fighting terrorism, multiple fronts. Um, there, con- there, there is a toll that has to be paid when it comes to that. And I, and I, I was no exception. So in my early thirties, when I came, when I left that command, there was a transition point of which I was, um, doing, you know, self-sabotaging. Um, I lost my purpose. I lost my tribe. I lost the, the, uh, the things that were my foundation, right. Or what I thought were my foundation. Um, and I had to relearn all these things. So there was a couple of years there, which, you know, I actually ended up writing up, writing a book about that. Um, and so there, so it wasn't all, you know, you don't, you, you get out of the military during my time and you think that, oh man, everything is going to be great. And you know, I did my time and now it's going to be, life is going to be awesome. No, man, it was freaking hard. Yeah. It was really freaking hard. Yeah. And, um, but through effort and hard work on myself, on myself, right. not necessarily working hard right. for a job, but working hard on myself and being very, here's the key word guys that I want you to understand, vulnerable. Mm. This idea that men are supposed to have this like super tough, rugged exterior and not be open and vulnerable with themselves and with their loved ones is a lie. Yeah. It, that's that's the true to me that's like the true you know there's a lot of talk about toxic mas- masculinity yeah. to me that's true toxic masculinity yeah 
true masculine, true masculine men are people who love their families and are open with communication of where they're at and where their family is at and where they want to be and where they're going together. That's right. That's right. Otherwise, you're poison. Like you said, that toxicity is you're poisoning yourself. And, and everyone else and around everybody you. else around you. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yep. Um, so that's something that I had to go through. Now, once I went through that and I started to, you know, um, you know, forgive my language, but the, the term that I use is called own my shit. Yep. Own it. Yep. It's yours. So own it. That's right. And then take it out. Yep. That's right. <laughs> take it out and that's put it right. in the garbage. That's right. You know what I mean? Um, so, so that's, so that I, once I went through that, I started, you know, I was contracting, you know, cause I got out of the military, most military guys and soft go do contracting. I realized that's not what I wanted for my life. And then I ended up, um, started my first business. I got involved with a nonprofit and then everything just started to steamroll. And, uh, and then just basically one failure after the other led me to where I had some success. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I, I love that you said that too. One failure after another. Winston Churchill, I think he was, he was the one that said, you know, success is, is continuously stumbling from one failure to the next. Right. And it's just continuing ever, to go on. That. You ever seen the meme with the guy juggling plates and he's walking upstairs uh-uh. and he's, so he's, he's up on the top thing and there's a whole crowd up there. There's a whole crowd up there. He's juggling plates and everybody's like, yay. But then like where he walks up, there's yeah. just nothing but broken plates. Yeah. That's it's right. like 15 steps. That's right. And I, and I love that. And, and I, I say, I tell people and entrepreneurs and young men that are, you know, want to start their own business. I'm like, you, you show me one successful person and I'll show you the same person who failed 15 times to get there. You better believe it. Nonstop. Non. And I've got a whole stop. book full of failures. Yeah, man. No doubt. What, what, who were kind of, did you have some, some, kind of mentors along that road, especially as you transition into entrepreneurship, are there guys, or even today, guys that you kind of look to, um, you know, as you're, as you're building up these businesses? Um, early, early on, it was, uh, have you come across the name Carl Munger? Carl Munger. I don't believe he's so. The, he's the executive director of Gallant Few, okay. um, Ranger. Um, and I, I linked up with him and he, he was a, like, man, he was a driving force in my transition out of the military into being a, a better person and really holding me accountable for, and that's the biggest thing, right? And we talk a lot about accountability, but it really comes down to men holding other men accountable mm-hmm. for Big being time. good men Big time. and, and, uh, and holding your friends accountable for being, for being good men. Yep. Um, so, but, so that was really, that was really a big portion for me. Um, one of my teammates, Josh, Josh Hansberger, who's a, who is a, uh, my business partner now, um, we kind of, I went through my transition, then he went through his, um, and then we kind of kept met, met back up. And now he's really been kind of another, uh, another person. And then I met my wife who, man, um, that it, without her, probably would not be where I'm at today. Yeah, no doubt. No you doubt. Know, having that, having that relationship of uh, somebody that that's, that's grounded in the right ways. And then also aligning with the same direction that you're heading, man, that makes all the difference. In the that's world. a whole rule. We can get on a relationship that's talk a, yeah. later, but that's all the but difference that's in the how world, important man. that is that if you're with someone that you are together side by side going down the same direction and wanting to go down the same direction together i love it man yeah absolutely yeah. It, it makes all the difference in the world all the difference in the world that's rad man so you got um and, and you got the yogi challenge 
Um, you've got uh, yeah. you got Johnny Slicks. You got some uh, yep. You got some cool stuff going on, man. It's very yeah. cool. What's kind of the focus going forward in the next few years? And then we're gonna open it up. To so you the next, too. the next, the the big thing right now is uh the, is those two. So we run the Agogi, which is and 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 guys, listen to this. So for people that don't do what you're doing right now, what happens is, and and he can tell you, men lose their purpose in their age. Yes, they sir. go through the motions. And around their late, their thirties, the forties, they start feeling lost and they start doing self-sabotage and they, they get out of shape and they're, they're not the very best version of themselves. Well, so one of my companies now is to work with those men to make them the very best version of themselves again, to light their fire, to give them a routine, to give them purpose, um, to get them back in shape. Um, to, so they can be better fathers. They can be better husbands and they want this right yep. these men want to be able to you know sit on the ground and roll around and play with their kids That's right but because they've allowed themselves to let themselves go they're not that type that that type of father that's right and and that's not and they know when they look in the mirror and they wake up in the morning they go this is not who i am on that's the right. inside and i need to correct it so that's one of my companies is to work with men to get them to be the back to the very best version of self. And one of the ways we do that is kind of an on-ramp is the Agogi challenge, the 30 day, I love 30 it. day challenge. And then kind of go from there. I love it, man. I love that you said they allowed themselves too, because that's a big difference, right? You got some of these guys that are like, Hey, I'm going to help me. And I talked to a guy a couple weeks ago who reached out. He saw what Tim and I are doing with this. And he's like, Hey, I'd love to partner with you guys. You know, and I help, I help guys, you know, that have already passed this stage kind of yada, yada. And I go in and took a look at some of his stuff and, you know, God bless him. Like he's trying to make a difference. And I, and I appreciate that. But he's his whole verbiage was, you know, it was more along the lines of it's OK. Uh, it's not your fault. You don't have to own any. Of it. And I'm just like, I just don't resonate with it. I just don't. No, I don't, I don't buy into that. It's crap. all your fault. I don't buy into that crap at even all. If it's, it's even if it's not your fault. It's, it's your still fault. your damn fault. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah. Hey, dude, I, we've got 11 rules in our house at home. I hold myself accountable to them, hold my wife accountable. She holds me accountable. All three of our children, right? They're 10, 8, and 5. Everybody yeah. is accountable to those and holds each other accountable. And one of the rules is you are personally responsible. It's always your fault. It is your fault. <laughs> so own your shit. Yeah. Own it. Own it early. Own, own it. it now. Yeah. So I was like, man, I just, I can't, man. I can't. So I love what, you know, with you, uh, you know, our buddies, Bedros and, and Ray and Steve and what all those guys are doing with the project and yeah. Squire program and all. I mean, that's, that's why those things resonate is because they're not going to make excuses for that, man. You own your stuff, own where you allowed yourself to be, and then take responsibility right. for right. pulling yourself out of the damn hole. Yeah. You know, that's it. I love that. And then Johnny Slicks, man. Johnny Slicks is, and what an amazing thing. Uh, so Johnny Slicks is an organic grooming company that my business partner is also Marine. Um, he got out and was selling his blood, selling his plasma to start a company, to start making this. Cause he, he was trying to make this stuff to, you know, to style your hair, put yeah, in your beard yeah. and make you look as good as you. And, uh, and he couldn't buy lids and he couldn't buy labels and this and that. So him and his wife would sell plasma for like 45 bucks a pop, you know, every so many days to get the money to go buy the stuff. Anyways, I, he I finally it. got a hold of me and I used it for three weeks and I told Ali, I said, man, this is a million dollar product. Well, that product alone, we, we were a seven figure company within two years, That's awesome. but that product alone broke seven figures just a little while ago. That's so it's rad. A Congrats, that dude. one product is a seven figure product. That's so huge. Good for uh, you. Yeah. Just a big thing. And, 
and you know, in the world right now, like, like everybody's being lied to, um, that, you know, I, I don't know where you sit on like chemicals and things like that, but there's so much stuff that we put on our bodies that For is sure. really it's crap. Lowering our lowering young men's testosterone. Yes, sir. Um, yep. You know, and I don't know if you actually studied or listened to the one on Joe Rogan was talking about their perineum shrinking in men. Yep. Crazy. And uh, due to chemicals. Yeah. Basically I, turning boys into females. That's right. Chemically. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a real thing. It's happening. There's nothing. You, there's nothing you can you can't argue with it. It's happening. Yep. That's right. And uh, so it's it's one one of our parts. Plus, you know, all of our morals with the agogi or masculinity about being good fathers. You know, you have other brands that are talking about, you know, we could do better. Sure, but we can do better in the right way. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 a unique opportunity to have an organic grooming company that also aligns with men being real men and being good fathers. That's awesome. So it's like kind of, you know, taking the agogi's principles and then, you know, putting them into Johnny Slicks as well. I love it, man. I love it. Did you see the Shave Dad video? That's right. The Shave Dad? We made a, so we made shave soap and, uh, there's a whole video about, um, I basically do a monologue talking on the, on the commercial, talking about what masculinity is and how, you know, there's so many things Uh, that they say. Okay. I'll send it to you. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. I don't think I've seen it yet. It went viral. It went viral and, and, uh, it was good. It went, it, it did really good. That's good. Did you ruffle some feathers? We ruffled some feathers. Good. Yeah. Good. That's good. Yeah. It means this would probably mean basically they came down to fathers are essential. Yeah, sir. Fathers are essential. Yeah. And uh, one of the time, you know, time honored traditions for fathers is teaching a young man how to shave. Yes, sir. Right. Yeah. And uh, you know, being in there with your kid and like having the fake razors or even shaving cream yeah, or whatever yeah. that, and just saying how fathers are essential. Masculinity is essential. Everything that a father teaches a man yes, sir. is essential. Uh, from how to open a door to how to treat their friends, Man. you know, fight if necessary, right. how to be violent if necessary. That's right. And I said, you know, basically at the end of the day at Johnny Slicks, we're, we're stoked to have just be a part of one of those traditions. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. That's right. I'll dude. send it to you. That's you, right. You'll, you'll love it. Yeah. I want to check it out. That's awesome, man. And I so appreciate the message. You guys, if you guys have questions, I want you to put your hands up in the chat, but, um, cause we're going to, we're going to let you guys start rocking and rolling on this. But yeah, man, I, so, I so appreciate that. I was, t- I mean, you know, we talk about this all the time, man. There is no such thing as talk. It's not true. Masculinity is never toxic. It is not because it is all those, <laughs> it is all those real values, man. It is all those values that, you know, that, that make men, men, it's all those values that, that make us leaders. You know, I mean, there is no such thing yeah, as, and as we're, that toxic side. And we're in a war. I, uh, I'm actually, yeah. we're, we're releasing a video today talking about how there's a war on, there's a war on masculinity. There's a war on men and specifically, and it really has been since the seventies. Yep. Since the seventies, as far as I, if I'm, I'm aware since the seventies, there has been a active fight to remove the father or demasculate the father in the household. hundred percent. And if you look at it, if you look at how to, from us, like, let's, let's, let's put, I'm going to put my special operations hat on here, guys. So if, if I look at how to destabilize a country, how do we destabilize a country and make a passive, yep. a passive, uh, a group of people. Yep. Well, the, one of the easiest ways to do that is to take the cornerstone, the strength away from the family units, right? To make them passive, make them like sheep. 
All right. That's right. So that essentially that's that's been started in the seventies, and then we've just kind of snowballed that effect over the past few decades. That's exactly right, man. God, we did we did uh, some work. I was an executive producer on a film called No Safe Spaces, and uh, worked with uh, Dennis Prager and Adam Carolla and mm-hmm. um, Dave Rubin and Brian Callen and some of those guys. And we we're and we brought that. I mean, seeing how this is playing out on on the college campuses, but that's where we ultimately the conversations end up kind of backtracking. Where did it come from? Where did it come from? Where did it come from? And really where a lot of these issues we are seeing boils down to when we try to reverse engineer, it comes down to that exact thing. The lack of the lack of, of father, the the active role of trying to take dads out and, and making them irrelevant. And um, I mean, it is just a freaking cancer, man. It yep. is a cancer. And that's why, you know, to me, when we're talking about good guys pouring into young guys too, um, you know, one of the most severe metrics, one of the most important metrics we see when, you know, I'm thinking about some of these you see this being a dad so this is an article and, and as far as the questions everything is on the table you guys can ask me anything right from military to riding motorcycles off of helicopters to being a dad anything right business on. whatever but this is an article physical fitness creates a cycle of toxic masculinity that must be eradicated this reaction is enhanced when levels of testosterone are increased in the male body through physical fitness studies have shown that signs of aggression in male dogs decrease exponentially following castration dude we just freaking posted that the other day just posted that the other day just saw that what Isn't that in, crazy? what in the holy shit and dude and we have people who will read that and go oh okay yeah i guess that's a bad thing and then you've got mannequins i don't know if you guys can see my uh thing have you seen do you see oh that? yeah the the whole dad bod mannequin mannequin yeah. trend yeah dude yeah, i don't know about you but that's not that's no, that's not a leader. No, that's not a professor. That's not a teacher. That's not a protector. Dude, that's th- not a provider. There's nobody. There is no. There is nobody that is going to look up to that and go, "No, man, that's that's cool." Unless you are looking for a scapegoat, dude. The yeah. even the freaking movies now, dude. When you and I grew up, because I know I'm a little. I think I remember looking up how old you were because you look a lot younger than me, but we're only a couple years apart. I think. Um, but dude, all the heroes we grew up with, man. You got Arnold and you got Sylvester and you got Van those dudes were jacked. Even Van Damme, Van all of Damme, them. stud. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. they were jacked, dude. Like those. Are and the what's guys. crazy is that generation of guys. Yep, they're still jacked. They're still jacked. No they're doubt. Old, yeah, but they don't. But get, well, jacked. whatever. Yeah. And they put a lot of these young dudes to shame. God dangs. Yeah, yeah, so true, man. All right, Benaya, right. you're up, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you for getting on the call with us. Um, what do you believe? It like what characteristic do you believe is ingrained in every man? Mm, good question. I think deep down, there is a, there is deep down in every man, there is a fight mm. characteristics in them. Now, it, it, and, and I'm saying at the most, the deepest, deepest recesses of your personality. Now, you talk about like, and I don't get me wrong. If you, if I showed you a picture and I should go find a picture and post it of, of me as a kid, I was the skinniest, smallest runt of a child who got picked on constantly, constantly. All right. Um, I was just, a, this is what my family used to call me. Well, he's just a sweet boy. And I was, I was just a sweet boy. I didn't have much fight in me. I didn't really stand up for myself. Um, I was just a kid, man, trying to live life. I didn't yeah. grow up with a dad, you know? So I was just me and my brother were just doing our thing 
constantly getting bullied. We would literally, the bell would ring from school and we would like E&E from the school to our house so that we didn't get jumped by, by kids in the neighborhood. All right, and like jumping through the back door. But at the, at the root of all men, there is a fight in them that, um, and it's not, and I don't necessarily mean physically, but a fight for life. And if you can tap into that through this, through, um, through a desire to grow, to a desire to do better, um, to desire to protect. Like, I love the story of the kid and, uh, and his sister, the dog attacked oh, and he man. got his face what a stud. mangled. Yeah. What a stud. Like, how is that? You can't teach that. Nope. That, that was something inside him yep. deep down that decided that if, if anybody's going to get torn apart and die, it's going to be me over my little sister. Yep. So I think in every man deep down, there is a fight in them that wants to come out. Now you might be because of your experiences, things that you've been told, past traumas, it might be really recessed, but I can, we get through things like this and through guys like Tim, guys like myself, we yep. can get it out of you. Yep. Now it's painful yep. and there might be some tears and there might be some doubt, but eventually we can pull it out of you and you will be a different person for the rest of your life. Mm. And this wow. is the reason why things like uh, jujitsu, yep. when they're young, starting them young, yep. learning languages, um, learning how to protect yourself and others, you know, being educated, Be being educated alone yep. will bring the fight in, out of you. Yep. Yep. 100%. So I, but so I think that if you want, if you want real, if you want men to grow up, be successful and be true men, we have to understand the fight in us. And I don't always mean physically. Sometimes it's life. Yep. Sometimes you got to fight in life because life's not going to be easy on you. That's right. Every time it knocks you down, you're going to have to get back up and fight it right back, fight it right back. Yep. So I think deep down, we all have that gene and we just got to figure out how to harness it in the most positive way. Could not agree more. Could not agree more. Well said, sir. All right, Zev, Zev, man, I'm glad you're able to join us, man. I know you haven't been able to join many with school stuff. So thank you for being here, Zev. You're up. Uh, yes, sir. And thank you very much. What was the hardest thing to go from the Marines to, like, starting a business? Mm, that transition from, from, from recon and raider to starting a business. Um, I, I've been watching Zev while, uh, while we've been talking, and that, to, I looked like him. That's when I awesome. was a kid. I was about that size. That's awesome. And uh and so when I saw him, I was like, ah, oh, it looks like me as a, That's <laughs> as, rad. as a kid. That's rad. Um uh Zev, the hardest thing was doubt. Um, so being in the military, and this is something that we have mm -hmm. to work with um with with grown men, even. Um, I'm gonna tell you this was was belief in myself because the military Everything I've been told was I was never good enough. Have you guys ever heard me? I don't know how anybody follows me. Have you ever heard of me talk about the elephant, the stick and the rope? Mm -hmm. Matt, do you know this? Uh, yes, sir. I've heard you talk about it. And I, it's actually in a, uh, in, a, in a book too that we recommend for these guys. Yep. Excellent. Yep. So I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to tell you guys real yep. quick if you haven't heard it. So in foreign countries, and I've personally seen this in Thailand, they take baby elephants and they tie a rope around his neck and they put a stake in the ground. Okay. Um, and they do this to this baby elephant and the baby elephant doesn't go anywhere. And they do this every single day for the rest of this elephant's life. And now you've got the largest, the largest walking mammal and the most strongest mammal on this earth, right? Mm -hmm. 
biggest creature. And as a grown elephant, they tie a rope around his neck and they put a stake in the ground and this elephant doesn't go anywhere. This elephant truly believes that's the truth. This, this, this truth for this elephant is this was where I live right here. Now us on the on the outside go, that's not, that's not truth at all. Yep. That's, that's a perspective. It's not truth. That elephant, if it wanted to, could break free from that right. and go, you know, tear things apart and kill a bunch of people in a village. Right. But at the end of the day, this elephant has been tricked into believing that it is where it is. Now, what I like to tell people, and this is when I, when I get on the phone and I talk to men about their belief system, um, I tell them the story and I tell them that rope and that stake represents everything you've ever been told, anything that's ever happened to you and every trauma that traumatic event that's you've happened into your life. Because that's what's lying to you, telling you where you are. And I can tell you this, if people are big in your family, yeah, I'm, I'm sure everyone, by, by, by your age, you've all heard, well, we're just big boned. Mm. Well, I hate to break it to you, but I've never seen a big bone skeleton. No, man. I've seen a lot of skeletons. Same size bone. They're all the same on the inside. So that's not true. Let's talk about a relationship with money. A lot of people get stuck because they come from a certain class. And then they can only make a certain amount of money and their kids only get a certain amount of things. So they can never break free from making, having this kind of negative relationship with money. Cause it's a cycle. Yep. It's, it's a perspective. That's right. Like you can break free from that. And if I can get to, if I can get you guys to realize even myself, if I can get my, you guys to realize that you are an elephant tied to a, a twig That's right. in the sand and you can literally just back up and walk away from it and do whatever you want to do and, and accomplish whatever you can, then that is, then we've won. That's we've it. won the war, really. Yeah, that's it. And so to answer your question, the hardest thing for me to break free from is when I was leaving the military, was that I was good enough. That I was good enough to achieve something. Because in the military, you're taught no matter how, and, and you know, guys in special operations will tell you, you could be the number one honor grad out of a school with a 98 percentile. You finish that school, you come back to your unit, and they're like, what the heck, man? You left 2% on the table. Yeah. I was the number one guy. Yeah. They're like, yeah, but you got, uh, you didn't get 100. You're still not good enough. <laughs> yeah. And in the military, there's a certain reasons why that sure. is the way it is, but it doesn't serve us in, in life. That's right. That's right. Gosh, one of my favorite things Believe, anybody's ever said. Believing, believing, that I, believing that I have the capability that I have, that I'm worth it, that I have the, the self-worth, that I have the capability, and that I can achieve these things bigger than I could ever imagine. That was the biggest thing to overcome. Yep, that's absolutely right. And it goes back to that, what we were talking about earlier. It's, it's who's, who's right in the space in here. Exactly. You know, goes back to that. I love that. All right, not Jack Hill. Um, thank you. So, um... You said that you had um, a a book of, or probably not mm -hmm. a physical book, but a lot of failures in life. Do you think, or which of your failures do you think was the most valuable? Like, which one do you mm. learn the most from? Good question, Jack. Thank you. Well, that's that's <laughs> that's difficult. Mm -hmm. I would say, and and, and there's. It's it's a hard one to to take because there's not much I could do about it. One of the biggest failures that I have in that that I feel in my life was being deployed in the fight of terrorism and having to weigh that me, versus sir. a 
very crucial being Excuse gone me, at sir. a very crucial time in a, my daughter's life. I have something that I have a question. You said um, that, that was that was your biggest failure. There were some repercussions for is being it, gone I, during that I time. That? Now I can sit here and I can tell you a million failures about business and like things that I that really haven't impacted okay. at all. Why would, but as why far would as the ones a, that truly impacted me that, was that seems there was like a time in my life where like I was deployed for a significant amount of time. And at that same time was a very pivotal moment in my daughter's life that I wasn't there for. And that was the hardest. That's the hardest one. That's one of the, out of my entire life. That's the one that's yeah. now for her. It's not even a thing for me. That was uh, it's something that's still kind of, I got a scar for from it. Yeah. That'll be the one that that'll be the one that sticks with you. Yeah. That's it. Now I can tell you a million of like spending 25 grand on a stupid business idea that didn't pay off or this and that, but all of that is just, yeah. It's just, it's just garbage compared to those. Yep. Your time is the most valuable thing that you guys will ever have. Yep. You lose time. You can't get it back. Bingo. Yeah. So true. All right. Well, excuse me, sir. Thank you, sir. All right. Excuse we'll... me, sir. I have a, I have something that I have a question. You said that, that was, that was your biggest failure. Is it, did I, did I mishear that? No, I would say that would be the that would be the one failure that sticks with me the most. Yes, sir. Okay. Why would why would you say that's a a failure? Because that that seems to me like something that you would just be like sad to miss out on. I wouldn't look at that as a failure. I appreciate that. At the end of the day, we talked about earlier that everything as a father is my responsibility to be there. You know, it's something I push there now. And and when I was there, you you make it count, right? But sometimes when you're not and something happens and you're, you're, you know, you're not there, that still, regardless of what I'm doing, regardless of how um, honorable it is or how worth it, it is, it's still my responsibility as a father to, to be there and to, and to lead my children. Right. So regardless, yep. I have to take responsibility. Yep. Yep. And I do. Yep. That goes back to that extreme ownership that we were talking about. Look, everything's going to be, everything is my fault. Right. It goes back to that. Yeah. And, and this is, is something I learned as a young recon team leader that anything your fail, anything your team does or fails to do is the team leader's fault. Mm -hmm. And when I was working as a small uh, and a, as a force recon marine in a small team, it was something that was ingrained upon us. Yeah. Everything your team does, either good or bad, is on the team leader. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's just it. That's it. And Antonio, that's a great question, man. I'm glad you clarified on that. And and that's a hard thing to, to fully grasp possibly right now. And this is one of those things where I would just have to ask you to trust, you know, trust Nick, trust myself. Ownership on that, it seems, um, that, it almost seems Matt, counterproductive, that, but them, man, it is, it is freeing. Matt, that to, to them, that might not seem fair. Yeah, 100%. You know, you yep. know what I mean? And yep. I think that's where he's kind of thinking. He's like, Agreed. well, that's not really fair. You totally. weren't there. How could that be a failure? hundred percent. Right. Guess what guys? Life's not fair. Doesn't matter. Yep. It doesn't matter. It's not going to be fair. That's right. Sometimes bad things are going to happen. It's not going to be fair. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Pick ourselves up. We take ownership of it. That's the extreme ownership. Yep. We learn from it and we drive forward. And it's the most freeing thing we can do. Believe it or not. It's yeah. actually a freedom thing. Yeah. No, great stuff. Will, I'd hit your hand, so I know you were up. Will Grave. Uh, thank you for coming on. What was the worst phase that you had to go through and endure in uh, 
in the Marine training, and how did you push through that? Hmm. I'm going to take it way back. So, um, so remember when I said, you know, I, I was talking about the things that you do, you have repercussions in your life. So by the time I was 13, I had two time, I had two, two felonies. I, I had, uh, drug charges, misdemeanors, gang involvement, all this kind of stuff. Now I wanted to join, I wanted to make something of myself and I decided, okay, I'm going to join the military. Went in there recruiter and he laughed me out of his office. He's like, man, you're a convicted felon. You've done drugs. You're a high school dropout, you know, cause I got a GED, um, and all this stuff. He's like, you're not doing anything. So again, like we talked about part of that system right now, I had a choice. I could have, I could have just completely fell apart. Right. I could have gone right back into that system mm -hmm. of just, you know, doing the same things or I could fight. So I fought. So it almost took me two years to join the military. I had to go to college. I had to get, I got a hundred letter, a uh, hundred over a hundred letters of recommendation. I had to do community service. I had to go meet with every officer in the entire recruiting station area to get interviews. I had to go see Sykes. I went to maps three times. I mean, it was, oh, it was ridiculous what it took me to do. So after I did all of that, I got my shot. I joined. And on training day seven, I broke my wrist on the bayonet course doing a horizontal butt stroke. Mm. And I got dropped from my platoon. And they put me in MRP, which was a, called medical rehabilitation platoon. And after everything that I had done and worked to get there, now I'm in this place where there are people that are like beating themselves in the head with flashlights. They're trying to hang themselves in the bathroom. There's a guy, uh, there's a guy with a cast up to his, up to his nuts, um, reeling, reeling around in wheelchairs. The drill instructors are yelling at people to get two sheets and a blanket. And I'm like, what have I done wow. with my life? And I wanted to quit. I tried to quit actually. I was like, this is not what I want. Wow. And so I had to, so here I am with a cast on my hand yep. all the way up to here. Can't even do anything. I got like a couple fingers. I think I had like these fingers. These were like all these two and this was all locked up. So out of all the things that I've done, you know, going through recon indoctrination platoon, amphibious reconnaissance school, seer school, jump schools, some other schools, selection, everything that I've ever done. That was probably the hardest mentally period of my life. Yeah. Man. Because I did not have the experience to deal with that hardship. Now, once I got the selection, water's wet, cold yeah. sucks, yeah. hungry's hungry. Right. That's it. Like at that yeah. point, it's not that difficult. Yeah, for sure. But being a young man, do, working as hard as I could, could and then hurting myself and getting dropped to that. I was not in a, I was, I did not have the, the emotional intelligence to handle that situation. Yep. So that was one of the hardest things. Now sense. I overcame it, tapped into my, typed in, tapped into that fight. And once I got through that, I ended up graduating company, the number one guy in our company. Mm. So I took it as an opportunity. So they're on YouTube. I'm sure all of you guys are on YouTube. If you go who I am, if you, you search on YouTube, who I am, Nick Kumalatos, write that down. I tell the entire story about that. That's awesome. I'm going to check that out too. Who I am. Yeah, I can see that definitely being a hard thing and a young man. Does that answer your question? That was great. 
Yes, sir. Thank you. Finn, and guys, we want to honor, want to make sure we're honoring time too. So if we can get through everybody, great. If not, then uh, it is what it is. But I want to make sure, I want to make sure you're good, Nick. Matt, I'm, sure I'm good. This is worth it. Oh, you're awesome, man. So appreciative. Finn, you're up, sir. Uh, thank you, sir, for jumping on this call. Um, <clears throat> my call is, my question is, Marines, did you want to go for growing up? Did you want to go into Marines, or was Marines something that hit you that? Dang, I gotta join this to learn to serve or great question. Up. Great question. What's your name? Finn. 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 Yeah, so um got out of trouble, got my life together, and then at um at the end of my 10th grade year in school, I, you know, I've, I finished the 10th grade, and on that summer I started working as a bellman at Bay Point Marriott in Panama City, Florida. Uh, I actually, had, I think at this point I, so I moved out on my own. Um, and I was working as an audio visual tech for the conference center, um, from 6am to two, took a 30 minute break. And from two 30 to 10 PM, I worked as a bellman. Um, so that was my rotation six days a week, um, from 6am to 10 o'clock at night. And I did that for six days a week. I love it. Now I, I was 16 years old living on my own. And I was probably making something like anywhere from two to $4,000 a week, Dang. a week guys, cash. Most of it was cash. Dude, I'm in the wrong. What am I doing with my life? And this was in the nineties, <laughs> Matt. <laughs> what am I doing right now? Oh. And I don't have anything to show for it. Yeah. Nothing to show for, of course. But I had my own car, I had my own place on the beach. I was oh, living yeah. life. This is what Finn, this is what happened. Um, at the end of that, at the end of that time, um, after, after doing that, it, well, one, that summer, it was time to go back to school for my 11th grade. And I was like, I can't give up this job. This oh, is man. crazy. I'm yeah. gonna give up all this money to go to school for eight hours a day. Like that doesn't even make any sense. Mm. So I went and got my GED, um, that summer and, um, thinking that wasn't a big deal. So what happened though, was I, I kept doing that. And and at about 17, I had this epiphany. Like I saw myself in 20 years going, this I could be doing the same exact thing forever. This could be my life. Like I've peaked. I felt like I I kind of had peaked in this area. So here I am, Finn, like making this money, but I saw, I, I foresaw myself 20 years just in the same place doing the same thing. And I kind of panicked. Mm -hmm. So I just nuked my life, mm -hmm. quit, gave up my house, moved in with my grandmother, went, saw the recruiter. I was like, so that, that time I knew for me, college was not an option. Yeah. It's not a student yeah. of that, like that, not a, not a formal student of the way that I learned. Um, now I have a master's degree and I got a, uh, a 3.8 GPA in my master's exactly. program. Yeah. Um, the, the old high, the, the dumb high school dropout with a learning disability. Yeah. Um, got a 3.8 in his master's. It's ironic, right? Um, so, so I, I panicked and, and that time in the nineties, you know, the military was the easy out. So I said, all right, if I'm going to nuke my life, what's the hardest freaking thing that I can do? At that time, the Marine, the Marines marketing, you know, yeah. was the hardest thing. Yep. The longest, longest boot camp, 
And I saw that as my way to make a drastic change in my life. Yeah. So for the next almost two years, I went all in on that plan after yep. he told me no, which was the worst thing he could have told me. Yep. I love it, man. I love it. But that's it. It speaks to that purpose, kind of that fire, that fight, you know, that you, that you talked about earlier that's inside all guys. I mean, that's it. I mean, you're making good money. I mean, the reality is dude, you're making good money. You could have ridden that out forever, used that money, done a whole lot. But, dude, you never would have fulfilled that that fight. You never would have fulfilled that purpose. No. And that's why you'd have been miserable. I know plenty yeah. of rich guys that freaking hate their life because yep. they're not fulfilling that fight. Right. I mean, that's it. At the end of the day, that's like, exactly great. You're making is. money, but are you happy? They're not happy. Oh, miserable. Either. Miserable. Right. In your mansion. Yep. Completely. Yep. Completely. Man, yep. so good. Aiden Steinbach. Hey, thank you, sir, for coming on the call. And of everybody that we've had on the call, most of them, you know, I, I didn't really know who they were. And I opened up Mr. Matt's email and I saw your name and I nearly, I jumped because I've been watching you for mm -hmm. probably three or four years now. And uh, back whenever I was at a very different place in my life, you were one of the people who really uh, helped me to get out of that. One of the people that I would, I would idolize to a fairly large degree and uh, helped me get to even where I am today. So my, my question mm -hmm. to you is uh, coming out of a unit like MARSOC, coming out of a unit like Force Reconnaissance, how the, uh, the, the secrecy of those units and how taboo it is to go out and talk about that, what was the impetus to go and start something like a, a YouTube channel and make all of that public and make your story public? Um, great, great question. First of all, thank you for hearing that back when I had long flowing locks and I was riding around on skateboards all the time. Um, you know, it was never, I was, when I got out of the military, um, I was completely hidden. I didn't have a social media. I didn't have anything. I was the whole time I was in, I was completely in another world. Um, when I got out, I still tried to stay that way. Even with opening my business, I still tried to stay hidden. And it just didn't work. I had to market my business. So, and then we start, and then I, you know, met my wife and she was like, okay, we have to like, kind of put yourself out there. If you're going to market, if we're going to sell something and make money, you got to like, people need to see your face. So, she, you know, she got me to start putting myself out there and things started to work. Um, where it really kicked off was, I don't know if you remember, but I, I did a Discovery Channel show where I went down to um, Bolivia and we were hunting uh, an alligator. Um, and I cut my hand on it. Um, my, the knife slipped. It, it was raining and I, 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 sliced my, I sliced a bunch of tendons open. Super embarrassing. Couple, probably millions of people watching on it, you know, whatever. Um, but b that experience, at, in my thirties, it lit something in me and she's the one that actually got me to go do this show because she knew that I would like it, but it really, it lit a fire under me to get into production. Hmm. I found my purpose that way. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, I really like telling stories. I like, you know, it was, it was completely different from what I used to do. Right. And all of a sudden there was this passion and happiness with, you know, making videos, which I, you know, I'm, I'm a grown man. I've got, you know, two kids at the time. Now I've got three, but you know, but that whole production. So I ended up going to school for it and ended up getting my master's in it. And, um, but through that experience I found now, now being super secretive and being from that community, I was like, well, people are going to, 
people are going to, you know, talk a lot of smack about me, right? And uh, so I tried to tiptoe around it a little bit and like be on my best behavior and, and not, you know, do anything that, you know, and I, and I never have said anything I'm not supposed to say. Um, anything that I share, you could Google it essentially and it's already out there. I just formulate it in there. Um, but um, I was still very like, well, what are they going to think? You know, what are they going to, you know, they're going to talk bad about me. And then through years of doing it, they did anyway. Hmm. Now, then I had a realization that, wait a minute, if everyone, and we all know you guys are all on the internet, you know about trolls, you know about haters, you know about all this kind of stuff. At the end of the day, you know that someone is not going to like you. Someone is going to say something bad about you. So if no matter what you do, Aiden, if no matter what you do, someone is going to say something bad about you or the way you do it, well then just do it anyway. Yep. If you know that, like, if you already know, like, Hey, they're going to make fun of you. Well, yeah, they're going to make fun of me. I watch. I'm like, and I, you know how I know a video is going to do well within the first few minutes of launching it. I already got dislikes. Already I'm like, up. Oh, already pissed they're people watching. off. Yep. Totally. Yep. The haters are watching. That means that, that means it, it, the algorithm caught, they saw it and it's going to, and it's going to go. That's right. So yep. my, but, but the whole point is, yes, um, I had that, I had that feeling early on, but once I got to the point, and again, that's a, a part of emotional maturity and being a man and, and realizing that the, when they say something to me about that, it really has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. It's jealousy. Yep. It's them not being happy where they're at because a, a healthy man with a, with a strong, emotional, intelligent foundation, you know what they're going to say? Good for him, man. Totally. Good for that dude. He's out there. He's out there crushing it. Yep. Anytime that there's any negativity that comes your way, it's typically not anything about you. It's about their own insecurities and where they're at in their life and their own unhappiness. That's right. Cause a happy person and a healthy person never does anything like that. That's right. Can you, yeah, yeah, that's right. Can you imagine? I mean, you think of whoever, who, you know, and, and Aiden, you know, good words for, for Mr. Nick and how he impacted you. Can you, can you imagine Nick? Can you imagine some of these other guys, you know, Tim, can you imagine myself? Can you imagine Jocko? Can you imagine Bedros? Can you imagine these guys going, man, I need to right now take time out of my life to go get on YouTube and make some dipshit comment to somebody that I don't to try to bring them to, can you imagine them stooping to like, there's just, there's just no, there's just, it's ridiculous. Here's here. Aiden, I, I, there's people and you know, everybody, believe it or not, I, there's people in the world that I don't like. I'm sure. You know what I mean? There's, that's true. I, I, there's people in the world that are in the public eye that I just don't really like. I don't like the way that, you know, I don't like their morals. I don't like the way, but sometimes even when I see good things happen to them, you know, I'll go, man, you know what? Good for him. Good for him. Hopefully that will help him in some way in his life and make him feel better. Totally. Totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. My wife wrote a book called how not to be a miserable cow. And she said, (laughs) she said, uh, I love that. She said one of the greatest things that she says in that book is anytime you feel that, that the green eye monster kind of come up in you that, which is jealousy. We, you know, she goes, how do you pierce that, that monster right in its heart? is simple. I'm so happy for you. Yep. And so of saying like, well, must be nice. 
must be nice to have this, must be nice to get this. Just go, man, I'm so happy for you. Yep. Even if you don't mean it, because over, over time, you'll grow and you'll be like, wow, I actually am happy for them. That's awesome. That's right. That's, That's right. awesome. Yep. That's right. Gosh, well said. Well said. Are you okay? We got, we got three more hands up. Are you okay, Nick? No, we're good. I'm You're good. Awesome. You're awesome, man. Thank you. Antonio H., you are up, sir. Three, two. Hey, Nick, nice to meet you. Oh, I might have audio issues. Nick, hello, Nick, nice to meet you. How'd you mentally prepare yourself for battle while you were in the military? Also, love to know which chemicals are changing guys to girls so I can avoid them. <laughs> That's a great, <laughs> a great question. Good man, we'll Antonio. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, how do I mentally prepare myself for battle? So this is, this is the, that's a great question. How do you teach 18 year old kids Man. and don't be, I'm, don't mean any disrespect, yep. but I didn't think I was a kid at 18. Now looking back, definitely a kid, <laughs> <laughs> but how do you take an 18 year old man, 19 year old man and train them to run towards gunfire? Yeah. That's a crazy thought, right? Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to teach this, this group of men that when they're getting shot at to not take cover, but to run towards bullets, right? That's insanity, right? Uh, training, 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 training. And that's something that the military specifically the Marine Corps does at a, at a very basic level is they through repetition, they will train you so much that when my first firefight happened in Iraq, it's the very first time it ever happened, I didn't even realize what had happened until afterwards. Mm. We just reacted. As soon as it happened, our first firefight in Iraq, everyone did exactly the way that we had been doing for years prior. We all just, we had SOPs that we had gone, I mean, I'm talking, Guys, I'm late at night, want to go home, hungry, tired, and our platoon sergeant's like, run it again, run it again, run it again, run it again. Yep. And when it, when it happened, I didn't even fully impact, I have the full impact of what had happened until afterwards because it was exactly like training. Yep. You just reacted. Yep. And, that, and if you look at that with anything in life, right, how to apply a tourniquet. You know, a car accident happens, right? If you haven't gone through a basic medical course or something happened or some, somebody cuts their finger, like the fact that you guys have all trained, because I, I, hopefully this is part of one of the things you guys are learning as well, is over and over and over and over, when that happens, instead of you freezing, which is not nothing that's not normal, it's a, it's a shock mechanism, but training overtakes that and you just go on autopilot and you just handle the situation. And then you process what happened afterwards. But it's that react time that saves lives right. that accomplishes the objective. So that's the, that's the answer to the first question. The second question is um, plastics. Um, warming your food up in the microwave in a, in a, in a cheap plastic thing, that's in it. Um, a lot of the food, unfortunately, that people are eating have, uh, I forgot what it's called, but it's basically it's a certain type of estrogen that's in food. Um, do, you know that, do you know that your apples that you get from the store is coated in wax? You can take a knife and scrape it. Mm -hmm. So it's, it has a lot to do with our environment. So, so you know, drinking out of aluminum bottle, like carrying around an aluminum bottle with, and filling up your water that way instead of a plastic bottle. Um, but plastics have a big, big part in 
in that. Um, and then eating real food, not eating food that comes out of a bag or a box or, you know, if you can grow it or kill it, like typically that's going to be your food source. And unfortunately, you know, even when I was growing up, I mean, we were poor. So hamburger helper was our friend, yep. you know, yep. but over the years, our food has genetically changed since Jimmy Carter. Um, and I don't know how much you guys, you guys teach about this kind of thing. Um, but, uh, you know, there was a, there was a whole food shortage. Um, and then with corn and everything that happened with high fructose corn syrup, yep. um, but like, you know, sugar, plastics, things like that. Stay away from them. Big time, man. Big time. Hope that helps, Antonio. And some of that stuff you guys are are putting on, uh, you know, guys are putting on their bodies too. Some of these lotions, some of these suntan lotions, some of these Axe body sprays and stuff. Oh my God. You guys like, and it's just literally. Just buy Johnny Slicks instead. Just buy Johnny Slicks instead. There you go, man. (laughs) That's for real. That stuff, that stuff matters. Yeah, that's absolutely yeah. it. And soy, Antonio kind of followed. Soy hurts your testosterone as well. Yeah, man, it absolutely can. So I, I try so, to stay away yeah, from so, so, uh, so, so I'm, I'm predominantly plant-based, um, predominantly. Um, there is a bad, soy gets a bad rep. But what they're talking about is engineered soy. Which the GMO, which a, yes. lot, which a lot of that crop is. Yeah, so soybeans itself is not bad for your testosterone. It's not my, and I, and, and I can, and I can prove it because my, we, my, for my son, my wife and I did uh, IVF. Her estrogen was something like over 300. It was something super, super high. Uh, we put her on plant-based, got her away from like hormones and meat and things yep. like that, that had hormones in it. She went plant-based, predominantly soy protein-based. Um, her, and within three or four weeks, her estrogen went down to 19. Huh. Now, granted, we were eating all organic, yep. plant-based, things like that, but that kind of throws a wrench into the whole soy thing. But the soy, the the soy that they're talking about is really the engineered soy that they're that they're creating for different to put as a filler in products. Right. So every time you get a product like a bar or like something that has like a paragraph of ingredients right. and it has soy in there, right. that's that engineered soy that is that is going to hurt your testosterone. Yep. But a soybean, a natural grown soybean, is not going to. It's it. That's a lie that that they're that they're telling you to basically drink more um, uh, engineered milk and engineered animals. Yeah, which yeah, which yeah. that is, again the key word, man. You see, and all that that engineering is we're messing with. It. Like you said, if you can grow it, you can kill it. You know, and you can kind of just name it by looking at it, sort of deal, and don't have to have an ingredient list. Uh, makes all the difference in the world, man. Love it. Last two, Brian Sierra, you are up, sir. Um, good morning, sir. So uh, throughout the call, I was listening to you and I heard you mention a lot about, um, like I, I heard you speak about your wife in very high regard. And um, you mentioned how if it wasn't for your wife, you wouldn't be where you're at. And so when I hear something like that, you know, it like piques my interest. And so you mentioned like the role of the masculine is, you know, to protect and to, you know, have that fight and bring that purpose and everything and to really bring that fire and, you know, to really provide. My question is, what is the role of the feminine? Like, why is it that the feminine had like such a influence on you, such a positive influence? Like, what's the role of that as compared to the masculine? Like, what's the difference? Mm. That's a great question. And at the end of the day, and at the end of the day, um, the truth is as men, we are all flawed. Mm-hmm. We make mistakes. We do things wrong. At the end of the day, we, we are, 
we are cavemen at our core. <laughs> um, and if you see any successful man, typically there is a woman behind him that has guided him towards the right directions and right decisions. <laughs> and there is not many decisions that I make in my life or that I don't, that I don't run by her and say, how do I, you know, cause again, going back to that self doubt, that's my rock. That's my compass. That's my true North. So when I'm angry, she calms me down. Yeah. When I'm down, she peps me up. All right. Like that is my foundation and my support without her, I would be completely lost. So as far as, you know, you want to talk about in a family unit, that, that feminine role, like we talk about, you know, what we have to do, that is the foundation. That's the rock of the, of the family unit. Now a father is important. It's essential, but, and, and, I, and I don't ever say that meaning by itself is okay. It takes both sides. It takes a mother and a father. It takes a wife and a husband. All right. Now she is the one that is investing into everything in our family. And now I'm more of the execution. Now there are things that I put in place, but those things don't get, don't, that don't happen without her. Right. Right. Yep. That's it, man. It's the yin and the yang. It's that balance. Yep. Right. And it's those, you know, like we have kind of that natural fight within us and we've got those dragons that we naturally want to slay. And that's just something that is inherent in the, in the male part. And then the, the female counterpart of that is, um, you know, a lot of times they will have that DNA of more the nurturing. It allows that family unit to, and it's not saying the dads can't be nurturers because they absolutely can, but they bring a balance um, to a degree that we just don't have. Just like they won't have the, the need to go slay that dragon as, as harshly as, as we will. Like they're just, it's the yin and the yang, man. It is yep. that perfect balance. It's compassion. Yeah. Yep. 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 100%. Okay, last two guys, no more hands after this one. John Hill, you are up, sir. Okay, so uh, my question was, um, originally I was going to ask you about uh, if you had gone to college and about your degree, but you um, you already answered that with, by, uh, with your master's degree. And, and you mentioned earlier that the traditional schooling type, the system was not working well for you. So uh, I guess my question now is uh, how necessary or important is it for uh, young people ages, you know, five through 18 to go through the traditional schooling mm. uh, system and college as opposed to other alternatives. Mm. I love it. Yeah, it's a great uh, this is, I don't know how, I mean, maybe it won't be controversial in this and this, this it one, won't be. but that system, <laughs> that 1920s school system is gone. It is useless. It is out of date. It is like completely pointless. And my kids now will never set foot in that system yes, ever, sir. ever. Yes, sir. Ever. Um, if, if who, what was your name? That was John. Uh, uh, John, John Hill. John, if you wanted to be a rocket scientist, could you not go on the internet and become a rocket scientist without ever stepping foot in a classroom? Well, I mean, I think it would be, it would be difficult. Um, nope, it wouldn't. It would be easier for you in this day and age to become a rocket scientist than ever. 
you could go on there, go get every, the internet is influence. You could go on there and learn everything in and start doing practical applications. Not only this, this is what's, this is what's super crazy. You could do it, build a resume online of you doing it and then start teaching it based off of your own findings. Yep. And then some company is going to reach out to you without, without you even having a degree and want to hire you because now you become the leading person talking about that subject. Absolutely. And that could be about any subject, any subject. Absolutely. And that's what's crazy is because of the internet, we have an outdated system. So you're telling me a guy like you needs to go sit in a classroom eight to 10 hours a day and then fall in line and then transfer classes and do this and sit. How do I know you even learn in a classroom? I don't. I don't sit there. If I sit down and you try to tell me something, my mind is gone. I'm thinking about 47 other things because I'm a doer. You want to teach me something? I got to get my hands in it. I got to do it. Yep. Like if you're just going to sit there on a whiteboard or show me a video and I'm already gone, you've lost That's me. That's right. That's right. I have to do it. So I think that this system is because of society, because of social media, because of the internet, we have, we have changed the way, and not only that, we have changed the, the way that you guys pay attention and the way that you consume information is completely different than it was when I was a kid. Yep. Yep. And it didn't even work then. That's right, that's right. In the world- It's an outdated method. Now. now the original school systems was, there was a, a house, a little, little room, and everybody would come in and they would go there for an hour or two hours. They'd learn some writing and arithmetic and then they'd go back to their farms or their, 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 their family's businesses where they actually learned life and they learned trades. But through the government, it continued to grow and it was like, wait a minute, we can actually tax people and make money from this. And, and now it's a, it has nothing, unfortunately, the system has nothing to do with your development or your learning or you being getting the information you need to be successful. If you, if it was, if the system was built for you to be successful, why would they not teach you about life skills? Yep. Do you guys have any idea how credit works? <laughs> Do you guys have any idea how the aromas, uh, um, emeritation of a loan works? Right. Like you don't like, what, what about life skills that it's going to take you that when you're 18 years old, like that's going to actually help you do life. That's exactly right. You're not, it's not. That's exactly right. As a career educator who has the most unique perspective on this of possible, I mean, probably more than anybody I know, right? I was at Stanford University for a long time working there, worked in numerous capacities, got to understand the college game. Again, I have graduate degrees as well myself, right? Played the whole school game. I was a, I was a public school teacher, a public school administrator, private school teacher, private school administrator. And it's why I left all of those to start the schools that we do now, the t school that I'm helping Tim get running in, in Texas, right? It's because it gets back to that old model of, no, we're actually going to do, and you're going to do early and you're going to understand and you're going to do in this tribe all these kids from five years old, they're starting businesses I mean, because they have to understand the lessons that come out. And not that they need to be an entrepreneur, but they uh, start to understand the skills. They start to understand how to run a PL, how to actually budget, how to actually do the things that actually matter. I could give my my oldest daughter, I could give a shit. She doesn't, she hates traditional math courses, but she can run a PL. She can budget. She can start planning for, you know, she's done an entire business plan for creating a restaurant. She's 10 years old, right? She and her sister bought the horses that we have on our ranch based on the businesses that they've got right it's that uh, he is spot freaking on spot freaking on I, 
I remember, I remember my teachers when I was in kids talking about the, you know, showing your work and figuring out math problems and going like, well, you're never going to have a calculator with you all the time. Oh, is that yeah, true? Is that, yeah, that's right. I have a calculator in my you pocket right there. Oh, every day of my life. And, right. and I think you can turn it sideways. And now it's a scientific calculator. There you go. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's a hundred percent, man. He is, he is absolutely spot, spot on. And he's spot on on the hiring too. So I also have that unique perspective of working with, you know, over 350 for, of the fortune 500 companies from a consultative fashion where they're saying, Hey, all these young people suck and we want to get rid of them, help them not suck. Otherwise we're firing them. And these are all your MIT college at like Lockheed Martin. And, and so, I mean, some of the biggest companies in the world and they're going, these young guys suck. They don't actually have any particular skills that matter. Nobody is going, ah, but they're really, really solid at the Pythagorean theorem. So we got to have this young guy. <laughs> Nobody nobody's doing that yeah spot on right. man i love it all right josiah you are the last one sir you are up how you doing sir um what would you say that really helped you get out your comfort zone and have that strive in life because i've seen a couple on your youtube videos and like you do like stuff that pushes the limits like your dirty your 30 day like jujitsu thing i saw on your youtube video like that was that. brutal, wasn't it? You're going to try heart. that? <laughs> um, I, I have this personal belief through everything that I've gone through in my life that as soon as we stop challenging ourselves, we start to die. Um, and we stop to grow. As soon as I think that I know everything or if I'm, I, I, don't, I don't think that the word expert or master should ever be said because you never know it all. Um, even the best guys in the game don't know it all and they're still learning. So I have this, I, I, I've kind of taken on this, that I'm always the pupil and never the master. And as soon as I try to, as soon as I start feeling like I'm in this circle of comfort or like I, I'm starting to feel like I'm the master, right? I immediately start getting uncomfortable, kind of taking me back to being 16, making all that money and going, oh man, is this it? Did I just peak? Mm -hmm. And I immediately, when I feel that, it's like I hit the self-destruct button on my life and go, okay, let's, what, what else? Where's the fight? Where do I got to learn? Where am I going to get? And I, I made a video, I don't know if you saw it, but when I first started jujitsu, telling the story of when I walked in, did you see that one? Oh, uh, I think so. It was the first ever one. Yeah, it was like 30. I was like, you know, talking about being like 38 years old. I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. 38 oh, years yeah, old. You wake up, yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to and I'm going to walk into this room where literally everyone's going to beat the shit out of me. Oh, yeah, I did see. Yeah, I haven't even taken my morning crap yet. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm walking into an ass beating because it's going to make me better. That's right. Now talk about that. That's like, that's like some old school, you know, being in the being in a school and they're like at three o'clock, we're going to meet you in the parking lot. I'm going to kick your butt. You know what I mean? Like I went to bed the, the night before thinking that like, I'm going to show up. These guys are going to kick my butt. I'm going to pay them. I'm going to give them, I'm going to give them money. money to beat and then down. I'm going to show up in two more days. And I'm going to do it all over again. But what that did was, Imagine, like, I don't know how many of you are uncomfortable with uh, being physical with another person. Them like, 
actually like smashing you. And some people aren't. If you're into sports, you're into wrestling, it's something that's comfortable. But there's a lot of people that have not lived that life. You know, like when I was, I was growing up, like getting beat up, like I didn't want people, don't put your hands on me until a certain incident happened. And then, and then that, that fight clicked in. And next thing I know, I remember like bouncing his face off the, off the rocks in the, in the parking lot. Um, and then we became friends, ironically enough. Yeah. But how that works. every single time that every single time that I've in my, in my life that I've gotten a little comfortable, I go search for something to make me uncomfortable. Every single time that I'm in that little circle, I'm like, okay, now what, what do I need to do to make myself uncomfortable and to put myself in a, into where I fail? So like for the jujitsu one, that was, that was good for me because I was like, if I go there, I'm going to fail. It's not something you learn overnight. Mm -hmm. Tim's been doing it for like 20 years. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. Um, so, you know, like going and like me fighting him, like I'm going to fail, but then I'm going to do it again and I'm going to do it again and I'm going to make it that much harder for him. And then that much harder for him. And that's what I've done. And who knows after that, there's something else. And usually, and some, it might be a business deal. It might be like, okay, well, our business is here. We're comfortable here, but I just want to, I just want to break through the ceiling. So I'm going to get uncomfortable and maybe I need to do a video talking about something, or maybe I need to do something that's going to make me push myself. And every single time that you're uncomfortable doing something that's bettering yourself, that's where, you know, you're in the magic spot. That's right. As soon as you're doing something that you're like, you're going through life and you're just doing life and you look back in a week and you're like, man, I just woke up and I went through the motions and I didn't really like, I just did life. Well, you're not really pushing the needle. You're not moving the needle. You're not accomplishing anything. But at the end of the week, you're like, dang, I was uncomfortable here. I was scared here. I failed. I got beat up here. Well, now we've moved the needle. Now we're in that sweet spot of growth. That's right. But if you don't ever look back on that and you don't feel fear and you don't feel uncomfortable and you don't feel hunger and be tired and pain, well, then you're not growing. That's right. Beautiful. Did I answer your question? Yes, sir. Thank you. That really helped. I'm, I'm on the search, man. Always. I'm always on the search to like, even something like this, being able to talk to you guys. I'm always on the search. How can I do it better? How can I do it more? How can I move the needle? I love it, man. Nick, uh, one of my favorite, I mean, honestly, one of the favorite conversations that, that, uh, that we've had this entire time, man. Um, so grateful for you, grateful for the way you're, you're leading, man, leading by example, leading your family at home, uh, leading as a dad, and then taking time to pour into these young leaders, man, too. This is, this is one of those ripple effect things, man, where we don't even get to see, you know, the end result of that, man. It's a big deal. I'll, I'll give you, I'll kind of leave you with what, what just happened with my son and kind of, and, and for you guys listening and what Matt does. So I have a 10 month old son and some of you guys, if you follow me on Instagram, you might've seen it. I shared it. We put him in uh, ISR in the pool, yep. right? He's an infant. Nope. And infants can't swim, right? But they have these techniques that are going to give them the ability to, to roll over and basically self save themselves. If they fall in, we have a pool, right? Mm -hmm. So it's essential that he knows how to save himself even as an infant to, to, so that he doesn't drown. Right. As a parent, we have a responsibility to protect our children. Now, how hard do you think it is to take a baby who's crying, who's in the water crying and like he, the baby's uncomfortable. He's scared. He's freaking out. He's not with his mother. He's not with his father. He's with some random stranger. That's basically drowning them. There it is drowning them in the water. 
the other day of there's so many repetitions, we're talking about putting the reps in, right? This kid who's 10 months old got thrown in the water and rotated over mm. and he just so floating. Bad. Now he's uncomfortable. He's rubbing his hand. He's kicking his legs and things like that. But guess what? We did the hard things. And sometimes as leaders, we have to put you guys in uncomfortable and uncomfortable positions for so that you grow. That's right. And you might cry a little bit. It might hurt a little bit, but it's to make you grow. That's right. Well said, sir. God bless you guys. Let's give a, a giant thanks, Nick. Man, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna reach out to you afterwards if there's a if there's a place I'd like to send you just kind of a small thank you, man. But um, you know anything that we can do to continue to support you too and share what you're doing and and um, man, I wanna. I want to do that. If you're okay, we'll probably release this as an episode two of the Essential Eleven and link all your Absolutely. stuff too and and all that, man. Because we just want to support any way we can. But um, I'll hit you up for a good address that I can send you a little thank you and okay. and uh, dude, just so appreciative. You guys give a big thank you, huh? Thank you, sir, so thank much. You, sir. I'm actually I'm actually off right now to go to Spartanburg to go compete in a jiu-jitsu match. Good luck, so dude. Go get that's, it. That's where I'm heading right now. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Go get it, brother. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you, bud. There you go, man. Give him a follow at Nick Kumalatsos on IG. Uh, that's K-O-U-M-A-L-A-T-S-O-S. And uh, check out Johnny Slicks, man, for some great uh, man products. I uh, appreciate you checking us out. Please continue to uh, leave reviews if you haven't. Share episodes if you love them. And uh, we just thank you so much for your support. Catch you next time.